Since iTunes only keeps the last 100 episodes of any show, some of our show topics that seem to help the most people are no longer available when people search on iTunes. So, in an effort to make that information available to more people, from time to time we're going to re-air some of our most popular show topics. You can also go to kickitnaturally.com and search for any topic in our search box. For now, enjoy this show that originally aired in 2014. T.C. Hill is not a doctor and does not claim to be a doctor or licensed in any type of medical field. Don't be an idiot and use anything heard on the show as medical advice. This information should be used for educational purposes only and you should contact your doctor for any medical advice. Now get off me. Welcome to Kick It Naturally. I'm Kenna McAdoo. What? Me. I just wanted to have sound effects in the oh, intro. Oh, okay. Just to interrupt me. Oh, Sorry. gosh. I'm here with T.C. Hale, annoying author, natural health expert, producer, blah, blah, blah. Uh, thinks he's like a Hollywood sound maker guy. Uh-huh. I'm the Foley guy. Yeah, Are you that guy that from the Revenge of the Nerds or whatever that makes all those? Oh, that Michael, uh, I can't think of it. Yeah, he had some skills. Yeah, he did. That's some mad skills. Um, and that little laugh over there that sounds like Beavis and Butthead, that would be <laughs> Will Schmidt. <laughs> Uh, tra- a fitness uh, a trainer to the stars. Yeah. Yeah. 51. We're at 51? Oh. 48 on the thing. But we've had some that have been like two shows, two topics that have gone into another Technically, show. I guess, then yeah. <laughs> yeah. 51, y'all. And, and does anybody win anything special today? Do I get like a free week's vacation or something for doing this? You, you win a spot on show number 52. Oh. <laughs> well, I never thought I would have made it this far, so... I'm surprised nobody showed up to unplug us yet. I know. It's really crazy what you can do in the privacy of your own (laughs) office. Okay, so today's topic, man, it brought out the... It brought out the the the, the piss and vinegar in yeah, people, didn't really, it? We had so many people like weighing in. It's about unstable children, and I guess there's like a slew of unstable kids out there. So emotionally unstable. Yeah, is what emotionally we call unstable. It. Yeah. And we got a lot. Mm-hmm. Probably the most comments we've ever had. Not all of them were the best <laughs> advice. Yeah. But I think what I thought we would do with this is because. None, none of us have kids. I don't think you know anybody no. in the room. Uh, maybe I, Will has not that he I know, know of. about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so that's not the part that we're really going to talk about. We want to talk about the physiological uh, physiological uh, aspects okay. of what goes on. But what's interesting is that a lot of the comments um, were pretty good and had like good ideas and good thoughts and stuff like that. So I thought that we would share them and uh, in case listeners get good ideas on how to raise their kids and we can talk about and give our opinion. And, and then some of say. the comments, some of these people need some anger management or some parenting schools. I, I hope that some of them are joking. Yeah, I'm hoping that some of them are joking or maybe that they should have their children taken away from yeah, them. Yeah, maybe some call way. CPS or something. We know where you are. We have your Facebook page. So um, anyway, so if you have not joined us on Facebook, then what are you waiting for? Everybody that's cool is in the support group right now. And on the Kick It in the Nuts page. So just go to Kick It in the Nuts. That's where we post topics. And, on Facebook. Uh, yeah, on Facebook uh, about future shows that we'll be doing and you guys can ask us any questions you want and we'll weigh in on the next week's show and, you know. It'll maybe be a good time. Give you some enlightenment if, if you know, they can. And, I, of course, I'll just sit here and annoy you probably, but... 
Tony and Will will give some enlightenment. And since Audible is our sponsor, <laughs> we found um, a good audio book. It's called How to Not Beat Your Kid. Uh-huh. That, that's not a real book. <laughs> you need to write that. Uh, kick beating your kids in the nuts uh, yeah, <laughs> in 30 days. So, uh, yes, Audible is our sponsor. Remember when we didn't have one? Well, that was stupid. That was dumb. Yeah. So if you want your free audiobook download from Audible, just go to kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook for all the details, and you'll get a free audiobook. Okay, show on. Let's jump into some questions, and then we'll kind of talk about how we're going to look at this. Okay, all these ones are going to be pretty fast Let's at the top. Let's just do top. Selena first. Yeah, Selena. Consistent, appropriate level of discipline. Tolerate no crap or they will walk all over you. I am not a parent, but I see a total lack of parenting everywhere. I don't need to be a parent to spot lazy, no backbone parenting. And the results? Brats. So I think that's probably a kind of typical opinion from somebody who is not a parent and doesn't have to deal with anything with kids and can kind of view it from the outside because even though I'm not a parent I can I can just tell that is that is hard that's like real hard to do that mm-hmm. to like yeah. I mean you have people in your house all the time like these little people they're always around I don't yeah know. it's hard enough just that. taking care of all this right you just know? you yeah. yeah yeah that's really something um so but you know there are definitely uh some parenting tactics that are probably not that optimal and I'm sure that there's a lot of people that make mistakes it's the only thing where you don't they don't even give you an instruction book they're just like all right, here you go. Yeah, Good you luck. have to learn to drive. You have to learn to do all these other right, things. Right, right. You don't know, have a kid. You know. Yeah, might as well screw somebody up. Uh-huh. You know, so they kind of let us go at it on our own, and whatever's going to happen happens. And so certainly, we're going to make some mistakes. We're going to do some very wrong things. Yeah, and I can imagine that if a kid's just screaming and screaming and won't shut up, you, you just do anything to get them to shut up in the moment. You just, you know, I mean, like, okay, here's some chicken fingers. Or you don't even think about it. You're just like, shut it. Please make the noise stop. Right, right. I could see where that yeah. could happen. I mean, again, I have zero authority on this subject. Right, like, I don't I even. that's good for us. I don't even own a dog. <laughs> right? But I, what I first thought of when I, when I heard Selena's comment, I'm like, Huh. Like I recently went on a walk with my best friend who has a greyhound and then this other dog also that they were like house sitting for that had been just kind of raised with much, without much discipline and he had done a really good job of training his greyhound and it was such a pleasure to walk the greyhound and then he was walking the little undisciplined dog that was just like running all over yanking holding us up peeing on everything you know <laughs> and I was like man maybe Sel- I think maybe Selena's approach is good like if I were going to be a parent I would probably start with a dog and learn how to train it mm-hmm. and then see what crossover skills could work because I imagine it may be there may be some useful things you learn in dog training that could just see what kind of tricks you can teach mm-hmm. your kid. It's yeah. like, oh, look, it can roll over. Oh, just, oh. Shake my hand. Mm-hmm. Just the reward systems, because I think there's definitely levels of our brain that function similar to how dogs You reward learn it things. with boob full of milk? You know, yeah, I mean, again, I'm zero authority on this, but I just see it could potentially work that way. Right. So, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the facts of there are a lot of parenting tricks and you know knowledgeable pieces of information that are out there and we probably won't share much of those instead what we want to do is we want to look at the situation of it's a kid you know somebody has a kid 
and the kid just flips out like all the time and goes completely nuts and is completely out of control and and so even if you use the right tactics on that kid it's it may be successful in that moment but by tomorrow all that is gone and the kid is completely nuts again because uh, the brain is not operating correctly they're having um, emotional issues due to things going on with physiology and that's kind of what we want to explain here and then we'll kind of talk about some of these parenting tactics to see if they help you guys at all and then what we think about them too just from our point of view mm -hmm. so first of all let's go through all the people that uh, want to beat children. They want to beat their kids, <laughs> and um, whether that's right or not, I have no idea. Yeah, I can't say know. I might want to beat a kid too if I had one. <laughs> yeah, you know? I mean, uh, who who was beat? Do we, everybody get spankings? I got or what? spankings. I, I got lit up. Like one spanking, and it wasn't that bad. So well, I don't really count. Right, yeah, mine was I minimal, I, but there was spankings going on. I got spankings. I mean, I didn't get beat, but I, and I got lit up at school too a couple yeah, of times. Sure. With I the was, yeah, sure, I know about that one for sure. But I, I was—I have to say—I was a royal brat, if you can imagine. I know this week. I can't imagine that having at tantrums all. like fall down on the floor, having screaming tantrums like <laughs> kicking, and being an actress from an early age. Just you know, oh, I have an audience. Ah! Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't know. You know, I would like to think that we've come far enough to figure out some ways to, you know, raise a kid without hitting him and spanking him and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I again, think it would be hard when they're babies, like if they're going for a fire or something, you might spat their hand away and say no because they're not going to get just no, you know. But I think at a certain age, you can't hit when them. When they understand anymore. what's going on. Yeah, like, you have to talk to them instead like, of this like, is your punishment instead yeah. of watch what happens with my hand. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the people's suggestions. All right, Jason. Yes, there is, but parents today are too scared to do it, too worried of what others think. Lonnie from Appleton, Wisconsin. Nothing a paddling wouldn't fix. Jean-Pierre, back in the day, a good spanking readjusted attitude toward respect and turn that thing off and talk to your kid. Joseph, I got a butt whooping when I acted crazy. Now I'm an emotionally stable adult. John, San Francisco, California. Corporal punishment? Yeah, if you want your kid to hate you. If you have to resort in hitting your kid, you lost and he or she has won. They made you mad, which is what they wanted to do. This is, the, this is not the 1400s people. Get enlightened. Jarrett from Lexington, North Carolina. Structure, support, positive reinforcement. I had the crap beat out of me. Made me worse. Medication and physical punishment aren't the way. Garrett, I never died from a butt whooping, but hugs help. Constantine, if it's clinical, medical marijuana. If it's behavioral, belt. <laughs> Patrick, grab his ear and make him read a book. And I love that Patrick has bad grammar and says to make him read a book. <laughs> Vera, Tulsa, Oklahoma, put him in the dryer for a while. You don't have to turn it on. Just stick him in there for a while. Oh, okay. Only if it's wrinkled. Mm -hmm. uh, Wendy. Oh, that was it. Oh, that was it. Okay. So solid advice all the yeah, way. Yeah, especially the, the dryer. Uh -huh. yeah, I never even thought about that. Right, that's just... Especially if your kid's wet, just stick them in the dryer. Yeah. You know, you also have to look at today, like, uh, you know, whether you believe that a kid should be spanked or not, it just seems like with the way that the judicial system works that you could spank your kid and he, like, owns your business by Thursday. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's mm -hmm. suing you for... Some kind of damage. And it might have been one of the questions or something that somebody said in here. Oh, I don't want to 
Never mind. You don't want to. Yeah. Well, something alert. about you know, if you beat your animal or you hit your animal, you'll go to jail. But you can just beat away on your kid. You know. Oh, for, I didn't see that. Maybe that's not in here, or maybe I read that somewhere. Yeah. Uh, but it just—he was in. He made a point. Like, okay, if anybody sees you strike your animal, you go to jail. But if you strike your kid, okay, just you know, you're spanking. You're a parent. Yeah, you're a parent. Yeah, I don't know that I, I buy along with that. So, you know, one thing about all this is. You know, clearly people are going to have an opinion one way or the other, and most people have probably decided how they're going to handle that before they have a kid at all. Um, But that's not really what this show is about, is advising on what type of punishment to provide. I think that's something that you kind of have to figure out on your own. But what we want to look at is why why is the kid going nuts, and why does he uh, need punishment? And I think every kid is going to have situations... Well, they're going to get punished. I mean, that's part of being a kid. That just kind of happens. But um, some of these, even if you believe that this is how you should raise a kid, you know, spanking your kid, um, with a lot of the situations that we're going to talk about, it's not going to do any good. Mm-hmm. You know, the kid isn't going to be able to learn that well because a lot of the behavior that is um, irrational and unstable mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff we're talking about it comes in the moment of all the physiology that's going crazy. And we know lots of adults that are emotionally unstable and they behave inappropriately and we explain to them why they get punished for any reason at work or in life or whatever. And then they do it again when they're in that state of unstable behavior again. So if we know that happens with adults... And we also know that everything with kids is magnified by 40. I mean, everything, you know, there's a, there's a website, I can't remember what it's called, but people post pictures of their kids crying, and the joke is that they explain why well, the kid is crying. crying. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. out of purple a crayon or something. Right, like yeah, yeah. Show that I, the one I remember is just this kid screaming horrifically, and underneath it says, I flushed my poop before, you know, before I, he got to see it. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the kid is just livid and falling apart and the whole world is ending. And so if everything with the kid is magnified by 40 and we see the same behavior in adults, then it makes sense that the, this can happen with kids. So all of these issues, it doesn't necessarily mean that the parents are making mistakes. It could just be that the kid is dealing with physiological issues just like an adult can yeah. deal with deal with physiological issues. If you feed your kids skittles all day and then you spank them for being hyper, I mean, come on. Yeah. So yeah, you got to know what's going on. So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the physiological issues that go on. You know, we just had the issue, uh, the episode about hypoglycemia, and that's a really big one with behavioral issues. So, Will, why don't you explain that a little bit and brains functioning and fuel and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I would say the biggest thing for most kids that you want to look at is are they eating in such a way where their brain and their their body overall is getting a steady stream of energy, whether that's coming from um, proteins and carbs that are allowing for stable blood sugar or from fats that are allowing for ketones and energy. If their blood sugar or ketone levels are spiking and dropping where their their brain doesn't have a steady supply of energy, it's going to make them freak out. They're either going to get really hyper, manic, and then like anxious and depressed and lethargic, like crashing asleep or 
whatever that is, you want to look at, are they eating in such a way and is their digestion working well enough for them to maintain a steady supply of energy to their brain? Right. And so what we see happens with people that are hypoglycemic is we know that when a person eats sugars or carbs, that uh, the body makes insulin and then that insulin is in charge of sweeping the sugar out of the bloodstream and into the cells and that's how all that stuff works. Uh, we can use that fuel. Everything is great. It's jazzy. The person can function. Um, but when a person's insulin is a little overly powerful, when we eat sugars and carbs, then the insulin can come on a little too strong and sweep too much sugar too quickly and that person really crashes and burns. And if they're operating in a manner where they're functioning mostly on sugar, then when all that sugar's gone, there's no more fuel source left. And all of that insulin that got called into action is now high, so the body can't access fat for fuel and use that as fuel. So the person ends up with no fuel, and so the brain has no fuel. And everything is magnified at that point. Uh, all of their emotions are magnified. Anything that's wrong is is a level 10 inferno. Mm -hmm. Is that an inferno? Yeah. And it's on fire. there's lots of really cool studies that show how behavior is severely affected by this. Like I think we mentioned it on a podcast way long ago about like picture It's drawing. probably like 50 episodes ago. Yeah, probably like the first one. But like they would have kids like before their little sugary snack break. Like draw a little picture. Of, oh yeah, this you know? was back in ADD and HTH. Yeah, right. Yeah. And they draw like their nice little curly hair and a house and a tree and a bird. And then they like they'd have their like cookies and milk or whatever. Their blood sugar would spike, and then all of a sudden, their same picture, but it'd get like a little like like they were like they were driving r riding on a roller coaster, you know, it's, like a little scratch. <laughs> and then by the end, it's like daggers and just like dragons and, and blood, and then right. it's just like scribble, scribble, Suicide. scribble, right as the blood sugar curve progressed and diminished. Right. So, uh, and a lot of people don't understand how this cigarettes. Right. <laughs> they start drawing margaritas and cigarettes by the end. So a lot of people don't understand how this works and that the brain needs fuel. They, they, they view uh, emotional behavior um, as the person is just messed up or they must have daddy issues and they need therapy or they need to be medicated. And they don't understand that you can improve these issues through nutrition and through allowing your body to have fuel. Um, so... If they don't understand that, they're certainly not going to understand that with a kid, and they're going to look to the parent and say, wow, you suck at this. Hmm. Why, why don't you talk to your kid or you educate put, them or discipline them? You also put in your book, too, about like if you, you didn't, you know, if you, like, if you go all day without eating, say, your first meal is at 12 or 1 or 2 or 3 or whatever, like if you did that to your kid, you would get in trouble. So, I mean, but some people do. Some people don't give their kid food in the morning or they don't have food in the morning, you know? And so the kid goes all day long, and then finally when they get something, they're like up and down. Spike yeah, and it's so sporadic. <clears throat> Just put them on a structure, too, you know? Right. So, all of this stuff really magnifies behavior, and, and there's things that you can do to alter what's going on. Like the one thing that happens is uh, in, in a more, at the cellular level, at a more anabolic state, insulin seems to be more overly powerful sometimes. Um, 
Will, do you want to talk about how the anabolic and catabolic state works? And yeah, sure. Work? So when you become more anabolic, there's lots of things you can do, different hormones, medications that you might be on, and macronutrient ratios, like having lots of carbs and not enough of the right kinds of fats and proteins. It can push your body into this anabolic imbalance, which can create a lot of different issues in, in addition to like affecting stomach acid production. It can also lead to the production of more lactic acid, which can make you really, really anxious. And that's because in the anabolic state, not enough oxygen is getting into the cells and the cells are still trying to make energy, but they're doing it in this fermentation format, creating excess lactic acid, which is what you inject into people when you want to give them a panic attack. So, to create a panic attack. Yeah, so they're, if they're in that state, they're going to constantly be feeling on edge and sometimes severely on edge, like with a full-fledged panic attack. And carbohydrates are one of the most potent things that push you into that. And that's also the chief substance of most kids' diets is just carbohydrates. It's just sugar and, yeah. and carbs. And horrible carbs, like really refined liquid sugars, like juice boxes, mm-hmm. processed starches, like Cheetos, whatever, Cheerios. Like that was my mm-hmm. diet. I, had, yeah. I remember having like like a huge mound bowl full of like Rice Krispie treats that I would pour like a layer of snow of sugar uh-huh. on top and right. then it would form this syrupy sugar at the bottom of the bowl. Mm-hmm. There was some, that was my normal breakfast. Absolutely, me know? too. Right? Yeah. yeah, oh, cereal, yeah. And the, the, the tough part, like the reason kids like migrate towards this, not only like you've talked about in the past two of food manufacturers intentionally making foods trigger our reward synapses like through making them extra sweet or extra colorful even though they have zero nutrition in them like lucky charms or skittles right so it makes the the mind that's eating it think oh this is the healthiest tastiest best thing for me to eat right give so, me more yeah so they get into that and then they get addicted to it and they don't know that they need to pull themselves out of that because the food manufacturers do such a good job of tricking our synapses that have been programmed over millions of years so that's one big problem that keeps kids on this sugar roller coaster. And then the other is that they generally don't have nearly as strong of digestion as full-fledged adults. So Right, that's not developed yet. Yeah, so really getting energy or getting energy and nutrition and satiety or full, a sense of fullness out of proteins and fats is a lot harder because even when they eat those foods, they can just make them constipated or bloated. So it, what I've found with... With clients who kids have had a lot of success is when they do a little bit of work to try to fix their digestion gently, whether it's taking beet flow and or like adding their salt to help their stomach acid levels. Or pickles, pickles. at the end of a meal is yeah. a good one. All right, yeah. Yeah. Has a good go. one. yeah, with kids, I really like to use the most gentle possible way. And, uh, yeah. you know, if a kid likes pickles, there's a reason he likes that. He likes that acidity that's helping him digest the food. And I was also, I'm transcribing ADHD podcast, and y'all talk about essential oils too, about if a kid can't, you know, even digest the supplement you may want to put essential oils in the feed or something oh, es- like that essential oils yeah, yeah essential oils what gotcha. did i say i thought you were talking about essential fatty acids. oh oh, oh. Yeah. um yeah so you know what made me thought that we should do this show is i was talking to a friend and he has a kid that's you know probably nine or ten and it's a girl and he says that she really has these emotional issues where she just flips out and and everything goes awry and uh he's like i think she has a you know maybe some uh, Asperger's or some kind of thing like that, and just from what we've heard, we don't we don't know that or anything. And as I start to dig, you know, I was like, well, is it is it really hard for her to wake up in the morning? Oh yeah, she. I mean, she's this news captain. She refuses to get out of bed. She's like a 
a zombie. Oh, well, is she constipated? Yeah, she's gone. You know, so you start to look at the physiology that goes along with this, and there's it's this state of being in this overly anabolic state from consuming too many carbs and sugars that pushes your body into that state, which then makes your insulin overly powerful because, and it makes sense, you're eating all these sugars, so why wouldn't the body become more efficient at processing Processing those sugars. I had like an accent for a second. Mm-hmm. Processing. Pulls, bullshit. Um, so, but it gets pushed to an extreme. So now when they're eating these sugars, they're having these huge spikes and crashes and, and they can't function because there is no fuel for the brain. So what parents can do is they can alter what the kid is eating or maybe they can look at some physiology, maybe even like urine pH and see if it's way too high to confirm, okay, this is what's going on. And we teach how to run simple tests on your own physiology in our free four-week digestion course at kickitofthenuts.com. And in all of our books, we teach how to do this. So this is something that you can learn how to do for yourself. And then maybe you want to do it with your kids to get a, a confirmation of, okay, maybe this is what's going on. And not all the ranges, ideal ranges, are the same for kids and adults. Like, kids' breath rate and kids' blush, blood pressure and that sort of thing is going to be different. But you should the urine pH is still something really valid to look at. And the urine pH should generally, for most people, be somewhere around 6. Right, around like, that area. Yeah, and if it's like if you're testing your kids', your kids urine pH and it's up around 7, you'll be like, wow, okay, they, their insulin is going to be really strong in that state and they're going to be ripping through sugar and have a really hard time maintaining stable blood sugar. You know, another great thing, too, to just to confirm what's going on, because if this is new to you, it's nice to be able to look at measurements and confirm, holy mackerel, this is exactly what's happening. Is you know, glucometer, you can get at any pharmacy. And the next time your kid flips out... Stick him with the glute pin. <laughs> <laughs> that's his punishment. Stab him. Gets, Always in a different place. Just a, yeah. a finger prick, yeah. <laughs> Instead of spanking, you just make them bleed in their yeah. finger. Yeah. No, make but bleed now. Realistically, uh, you want to get another finger prick? Mm-hmm. Um, no, but realistically, I mean, if you test blood sugar just like a diabetic would, um, then you can see if their blood sugar is super low, then it makes sense while they're flipping out um, because you change the channel during their favorite commercial. Do they? Have, I, I feel like I read something online about some new blood testing where it didn't require um, an incision, like something where it would just like. I know Google's working on one like a contact lens, right. That measures your. I have heard about that. So a lot of new ones are coming. I yeah. bet it's coming soon. I bet yeah. There's something. So many people have diabetes. Like so non-invasive, like I, maybe it was like you hold it up to your temple or your fingertip, or I don't know. But you can look and see. There, there might be some new emerging technologies where you don't have to prick your kid's finger because kids hate that. Yeah, yeah. they they will I don't not even be. Like it. I mean, it always scares me right before it happens. But you won't have to. That won't have to be a routine. I mean, having a kid flip out, looking at his blood sugar. While it's happening, if it's after a meal, you know, if it's an hour or two after a meal, that's about when blood sugar is going to crash. So if you know that's happening, you don't need to do that every time. You just need to work on figuring out how to keep that sugar from spiking and crashing. And the first thing is to do is, is if you reduce the carbs and sugars that you're giving them, not only does that push them less into that severe anabolic state, but as they move out of that anabolic imbalanced state, then urine pH will come down, the insulin strength will not be so overpowering, and then they can have some carbs and sugars, most likely, without having such a huge crash. Mm-hmm. 
And yet, the the big thing that I've seen really help a lot of kids is if they can take the beet flow product or something else equivalent to it to help get their bile flow working better, and you start to base their diet more around fats. And you can sweeten it with stevia, so like little milkshakes and things like that can be really creamy and delicious Mm -hmm. and if you can get them eating that kind of stuff and that kind of like desserts and treats it can really really make a huge difference for them but it's important to make sure that they're that you are helping their liver process those fats or something like beef flow. Jerry Seinfeld's wife has a cookbook about kids. And about like, sneaking yeah, vegetables sneaking and stuff vegetables into the food. Into yeah, food yeah, that's stuff. great. You can do that. I like that idea. And, and, you know, Will and I have a protein powder that's very close to coming out. And we put the beet kids flow. Kids the protein yeah, We, <laughs> we sneak kids into them. <laughs> we put beet flow in there. Um, and the reason we did that is just because in – Improper bioflow is such a huge problem for so many people. But also um, with severe cases like kids that are autistic and um, other severe mental uh, problems that are going on, people are finding that if you can help them uh, assimilate nutrients better, that they can improve. So if someone in a severe state like that can improve through improved nutrition and getting better nutrients and better fats, then it kind of helps us understand why we see people and kids improve when you can start to improve not, not just the nutrition that's going in the body, but what the cells can actually see. So one thing that you can do with kids is, is that you have to find ways to increase the amount of fat that is going in the diet. And what a lot of people do with um, autistic kids and other kids like that is is they'll start to give them heavy cream in like a shake or something. Um, and if you get one of the good, you know, $400 blenders, then you can really pull the nutrients out of foods when you're making shakes and you can put a little spinach or something in there and get all those nutrients out. And now whether the kid's digestion is strong or not, he can access those nutrients. You just don't want to put sugars in that shake because liquid sugars are even worse than a candy bar. But if you can put like heavy cream, uh, you know, coconut oil, even MCT oil, a lot of people are using MCT oil now with uh, kids that are dealing with these type of issues and they're getting these fats that help their body uh, create ketones and run fuel off of fat because the brain can it needs glucose to function, but if there's no glucose, it can also run off of ketones. But ketones are only really manufactured when there's enough fats and sugars are not real high. Um, but if you can make the kid a shake with these fats in it, and uh, pretty soon you'll be able to put the protein powder we made that has beet flow right in it so you can help their bile flow better and so they can emulsify those fats and use those nutrients, then all of a sudden they can have this more steady stream of fuel to the brain. And a lot of people really see improvements when they do that. Yeah. Um, and in hearing that, you might think like, oh, well, isn't this going to be bad for me if I, or, or my kid like long-term for their heart or whatever? If they're oh, because of the fats. Yeah, right, people right. are really scared of... Oh, the fat, and they I think forget oh, about that. Bring bad cholesterol, right? Because it's so s- silly. Right? right, it's a big fat myth, right? Right. So, if you're concerned about that, you don't have to be. 
but to clear your mental space, we can highly recommend some really great audiobooks by Jimmy Moore. You can also find those at audible.com. One's called Cholesterol Clarity, and the other's called Keto Clarity. So if you're looking to find out, how do I get my kid to be not such a pain in my head, you know, <laughs> just try to get them more and more on this ketogenic diet, because... When you do, it is it is incredible how clear your mind is and how balanced your mood is. And it also has all sorts of other health benefits that go far stretching to never getting Alzheimer's, anti-carcinogenic, life extension, fat loss. Like, it's incredible. Right. And we've all been doing this for a long time. And, you know, for our upcoming documentary, Why Am I So Fat?, we, we travel the country and talk to the biggest experts in nutrition and they all, you know, uh, echo the facts that have already been proven that saturated fats are are not the demon that we thought they were. So if you're if this is new to you, um, just understand that uh, new information takes twenty years to catch up to the mainstream and to go through government paperwork and for the government's going to tell us that. But everybody out there. Agrees that saturated fats are very beneficial. Um, it's there's the saturated fat does not clog our arteries. That was all incorrect. It's not cholesterol's fault. Cholesterol's trying to help us. We have uh, podcast episodes on all these topics. If you want to, you know, learn more about that, we teach about it in our online courses and our books too. So we won't go into it too far, but just know that giving your saturated, giving your kids saturated fat is not going to give them heart disease. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. So um, that's one way that a lot of people will find. And, and that seems to be the most common issue with kids that have these emotional roller coasters. It's they're surviving on sugar. Sugar is the only fuel that their brain is able to operate on. And they're getting huge spikes and crashes. And I think some people, like I've even heard some people in my family, like you shouldn't give them that much sugar. Oh, they don't have any weight problems. I'm like, it doesn't even have to do with weight. They shouldn't have sugar. They're going to become diabetic. And now, several years later, they do have weight problems. Right. You know, and it's like every single one of my nephews is getting heavy and chunky. And it's like because y'all feed them crap, and then they let them have two hamburgers instead of one. And I'm like, they don't need two hamburgers, but they say they're hungry. And I'm like, eh, yeah. I well, don't the, know. The, when we look at that. You know, the kid wants two hamburgers because they say they're hungry. They they probably actually Some do digestion need digestion stuff going on. Yeah, they, they do can't. need two hamburgers because if a person can only assimilate, they can't mm-hmm. digest food well enough to assimilate all the nutrients. Maybe they can only assimilate ten percent. So doesn't it make sense that a person would need mm-hmm. ten hamburgers mm-hmm. in order to get what you and I might? Or get? they just always feel hungry, like mm-hmm. no matter not, what, whether or not that's actually helping. So it, they just going they know on. they need it's something. Not real. I mean. But yeah. it, it is real, but it's something that's they're not getting. Right. So we're going to talk about sugar a little bit, too, and some other of these questions. But let's let's do a couple more questions. Wendy from Mobile, Alabama. Great topic. I cannot wait to hear this. I'm pretty sure the same dietary imbalances that cause grown-ups anxiety cause kids' anxiety as well. Yeah, and then sometimes that's even magnified. You know, even as a baby, um, there's some uh, guys, Mark Anderson, I think was his name. He's a doctor that gives a lot of lectures and he has one on calcium i think it was called the triad but he talks a lot about um, babies that are colicky that just cry for no reason are crying because there's not enough calcium at the tissue level and so the body is very uncomfortable with that um 
And so the baby becomes very uncomfortable with that. And when you give them an, an absorbable form of calcium, all of a sudden these calcium babies are fine. And so even at that young age, um, yeah, the same issues that cause anxiety, panic attacks, and all those kind of troubles, uh, emotional roller coaster stuff in adults can certainly cause them in kids too. Brett, try feeding them actual food for a start. Ricardo from Ciudad Juarez, Mexico. Diet can't fix this. Elizabeth from Palmdale, California. I believe diet can fix this. Tina, stop filling them with poisons the day of birth. On. Henry, I agree with Brett. It's hard to believe that it's a coincidence that all our food is filled with junk and more and more kids are dealing with health issues and emotional issues. Laura from Apple Valley, Minnesota. I truly believe that diet is huge. I know the difference in how I feel when I eat clean and when I eat garbage. Right, and so, you know, like what Ricardo said, diet can't fix this. It's a screwed up kid, you know. What does diet have to do with anything? And I, I bet if we went out and interviewed people on the street, that that would be the response from at least 75% of them. Yeah, I mean, I do think, like, in some cases, like, say you have, like, a highly traumatic parental relationship, like, where they're fighting all the time, like, diet might not be the Mm -hmm. thing, you know. Certainly life counts, yeah. Yeah, right. But in a lot of cases where, like, parents are doing their best and they're they're pretty good in all, like, external view, like, "Eh, it seems like they're treating it right, you can definitely look at the physiology of the kid and see if there's anything with their diet or, or their general physiology that's off. Right. And I think this was the last episode that I said this, and I think that this is my favorite new phrase, that if you're living in a world where the food that you eat does not affect your emotional and health and physical state, then you're, you're living in a fictional world. It's, it's just not true. We know now that everything having to deal with what's going on with your body is a direct response to what you're putting in it. He's trying to get that statement to trend. I want it to trend. A fictional. Yeah, it's too long to be catchy. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag if you're living if you're in the world. <laughs> 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 okay. Alan from Los Angeles, California. Is the number of emotionally troubled kids growing these days, or is that my imagination? I thought the same thing. I I I think that that's viable you know and it's certainly more popular and you know there's situations where i've heard stories of pharmaceutical companies going to schools and saying that we we will sponsor you to build a new gymnasium or you know whatever and we'll give you this amount of money for every kid that needs ridlin oh my god yeah so they so they test all the kids and they you know do whatever and for whatever however many kids need to start you know, Ooh, using Ritalin yeah. or whatever drug. I don't know if that was the drug. I don't remember. I'm, mm. I'm just saying stories that I heard. But so we know that there is a strong push out there for kids to be medicated. We all hear about it every day. And so if there's a push for that, then we have to assume that there's a reason. And, you know, one thing is that a lot of times you view it at – you look at a kid and they're like, oh, well, my kid has ADHD. And I'm like, well, you know, he could also just be five. Yeah. You know, when I was five, I don't right. think that I was focused on writing yeah. a term paper or something. Yeah. You know, I was over here and yeah. then, oh, a butterfly. Right. And, You're um, seeing a puppy? Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, it, a puppy does that Sniffs too. It's just everything. Right. It's just <laughs> so it, it may be a situation of people um, diagnosing things that are 
it's just a kid being a kid. But beyond that, we do know that some kids have legitimate issues and everything is a five, you know, five-star alarm. Um, I don't remember what the point was I was making. I probably wasn't making one. Something about, or is it more these days? Oh, it's more the number growing. Yeah, I think it's growing. And it makes sense that it would since a higher percentage of the food that we're consuming is now filled with chemicals and junk. And the real problem is that, you know, when we were kids, we ate lots of sugar. Um, And I did have issues where I would have hypoglycemic type issues. I was that guy. They would crash, and if you didn't feed me right there, you knew I was I was going to be not that fun. So those issues were there for me, but it was not to an extreme of any type of diagnosis or medication or therapy or anything like that. Um, people just knew to feed me. But the sugar in the junk food that we ate then is different now. We didn't. It, everything was not corn syrup then. You know, they found that. Um, or at least it was real sugar. Yeah. Right, it was it was sugar, and it was not this like high fructose corn syrup that is that everybody's using because it's so much cheaper. So they found that they could sweeten things for a fraction of the cost. That means profits go up. So why wouldn't every company do that? They're all looking at their profit margin. That's important. So that's been moving in that direction for the last couple of decades, probably. But we're there now. I mean, everything has stuff that should not be going in a body and and the body reacts very drastically to it i think they're getting more creative and aggressive with diagnosis as well right you know it's like oh it's not a behavior problem he has add adhd right and we happen to have a drug for that here this fixes him perfect thanks that'll be eight hundred dollars sorry about his liver in 10 years (laughs) jamie from berkeley colorado California, never mind. We've always known that sugar can excite kids and make them hyper. Since so many foods contain sugar now, is the constant intake of sugar part of the problem? Yeah. I'd like to apologize to Jamie for jumping her question. Oh, did we jump her to it? We? <laughs> well, no, I, I answered that. Oh, oh, oh. And Nathan, a good diet with proper amount of sugar, attentive and responsible, par- responsible parenting, and I'm sure some exercise would help. Yeah. yeah, so many schools these days, they don't even have PE anymore. Like, they've lost PE now altogether. Like, Most they don't probably. do anything. Right. But, yeah, it's a cool comment. A proper amount of sugar being zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think that as a kid, I think your body is made to where you have the ability to process sugar better than a lot of us do since we I did wish that I was so Benjamin much. Buttons and I could go back now <laughs> right. and eat sugar. <laughs> um, but there has to be that fine line of what, you know, especially of the processed type, processed type sugars that's in all the junk food now. You know, if you start giving your sugar, the kid's sugar, is it, is it impossible to turn off his ability to want more and more and more of it? And um, So I don't know what the rule is as far as, not giving your kid any sugar at all, ever, or, uh, you know, a reasonable amount. I I would assume that most people can get away with some sugary food from time to time. Yeah, fruits are a good substitute. I mean, I think you have like five or six solid years before they start what school, when do you start school in kindergarten, before you, like, you lose control of what they can eat mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, I mean, in that time, try to get them to like good, healthy foods. But I think that it's very important, you know, 
to look at the situation, if your kid is out of control, then removing sugar is going to be a huge thing for you. Yeah. It's going to be a huge help. But you can, you can also look at like, all right, so we've said kids' digestion is like weaker, and so you might not be able to feed them like an adult, like a diet that an adult would thrive on. But then you look at like, what does a a baby infant, cute little baby Jesus, like what food do they mm-hmm. what food do they eat? Breast milk, right? Mm-hmm. Which is mostly medium chain triglycerides. Right. So from day zero, even before that, as they're in gestation, they're running mostly off of these saturated fats that we're talking about. And if you can keep their diet based around that, where they're mainly running off of fats and they're not getting these crazy, insane sugars, they're going to be way ahead of their peers as far as their behavior, their mental performance, their overall immunity. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you don't... And also, like, it's been said in a few different books and previous episodes of the podcast, there is no such thing as an essential carbohydrate. Right. right? We don't need them like people think. Yeah. Then I know it's really confusing because people know the food pyramids. The the basis and foundation is 8 to 11 servings of carbohydrates. But it's actually completely wrong. Like, it's upside down. If, yeah, if the bottom of that thing fell off and then you flipped it over, it'd probably be closer to accurate. But you can get your kid to be super balanced and really healthy and really strengthen their immune system if you keep their diet like more fats, moderate proteins, lower sugars in general, right? Right. And, and keeping any type of sugar food as a treat is is a much better idea than it goes in their lunch every day. Yeah. There's just so many, including my mom too. Like, and she would raise me again. I'm sure I would get like sandwich with like white bread or wheat bread mm-hmm. on it, and some fruit and a Jello snack, and be like, "Oh, well, they need some carbs, uh-huh. right?" And, it's, and then it just the vast majority of the meal is crazy, ridiculous processed carbohydrates, and you don't need to do that to your kid. You don't have to throw in a piece of really sugary fruit because you think fruit's healthy. You don't have to put like bread in their meal to make it a well-rounded meal like that's not really at all what the body wants so even carbs that are in like fruit or you know vegetables even i mean they gotta have some vegetables but like low carb vegetables or i mean Uh, you know especially with kids this can be a tricky situation because you might have to do some of the things like Like jerry seinfeld's jerry seinfeld's wife was doing because Uh a lot of kids are like I ain't eating that. Uh-huh. You know, I was that kid. I was the kid that would have to sit at the table for four hours after I was done staring at a plate of peas because I wouldn't eat them. Um, so with kids, it's a lot more troublesome or, you know, it can be a lot harder than it can be with an adult where you can just tell an adult, look, you're whacked. You need to fix it. You know, if you eat these foods, don't eat those. Um, but with kids, uh, I think that most of them are a little more resilient to where they may not have to have only medium-carb foods or that kind of things with vegetables. But you do have to find a, a way to get more fats into the diet, more protein into the diet, um, any way that you can. And you have to reduce some of the sugar if they're dealing with issues like this. All right. Aaliyah, New Orleans, Louisiana. They need stability. You me just read yeah. all these after that one, or no? no? I, we, we, I, I'm sure stability. Okay. No, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say about that. Uh-huh. Dana from Avon, Ohio. I see the families sitting on their butts too often. Let your kids get out and play. That's a big one too, with computers and everybody's so hooked in that kids just sit around all day. And I think it's. I think it's a big deal, and I think that it's important. But I don't see it being as much of as the diet of a factor towards what we're talking about right now with the emotional 
unstable situations. Mm-hmm. I don't see it being as much of a factor there um, because, you know, running around and moving is great, you know, but if the if the processing of fuel is this huge spiking and crashing, it's not going to make much of a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, something else to consider is that a lot of these spikes and crashes hit so hard because the kids don't have the proper amount of minerals in the system. And a lot of that comes from the parents um, who have digestive issues, but maybe not so bad that they, they can still get pregnant, they can still make a baby, but the baby ends up with lower resources than it should, and so does the mother afterwards. And um, But, you know, moving forward through life, the kid can have problems because as sugars crash, if minerals aren't there to buffer those low sugars, then that crash is a lot it hits them a lot harder. Mm-hmm. So if you can take steps to lift minerals, like you know, adding sea salt to their food, uh, um, you might even give them uh, a mineral water, like the smart water, or get some mineral drops to put in their water kind of thing, um, to lift their mineral levels so that they have more of a, a buffer zone where the sugar spikes and crashes won't affect them so severely. Yeah, I remember as a kid, like, getting yelled at one time for pouring so much salt on my french fries that my my dad could, like, see it visibly, like a pile of snow on it. He's like, he just scolded me for it. Uh-huh. But looking back, I'm like, oh, I, I guess was I needed crazy that. hypoglycemic. <laughs> like, that's why I wanted a tablespoon of salt with my fries. Right. Now, what is it with these kids that eat straight butter? Is it because they need something or what? I did. I, I ate, I, I, I would walk around the house, like, when I was three or four, just eating a stick okay. of butter. Kids are smarter than we give them credit for, because yeah. they might be exactly what their body's craving. Sometimes they eat dirt, which a uh, lot of animals do. <laughs> yeah, which the, was the primary protein source for Paleolithic man, probably. Bugs, <laughs> you know, so I mean, uh, there's a lot of instinctive intelligence in the things that kids are reaching for. Whether it's a full stick of butter or they're pouring a crazy amount of salt on their food, they their bodies know what they're doing. You know, right? Exactly. Um, okay, so let's go on. Scott, I think it's more of a culture issue. Children's brains are developing in a world where instant gratification is the norm. This affects their brain's dopamine responses. It's similar to an addict's brain chemistry. The mood swings can be attributed to situations where the child is confronted with not getting what they want when they want it, a.k.a. spoiled. And don't get me wrong, I I think that you can raise a spoiled kid, for sure. I think that you can make a kid a brat uh, just by doing things incorrectly and reducing their sugar isn't going to fix that if you just made them mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for mostly what we're talking about is is the kids where you just see, like, what, why do they flip out like that? What is wrong with them? And why are they having this trouble there? They're such a nice kid the other times. What happens? So this is what we're talking about is why they hit states like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could be raised with... That's the pattern they learn, like right. Maybe their mom. Anytime I go, ah, I get what I want. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, if at the cellular level and at the, like the cerebral level, if your body has the energy it wants, it's kind of like think of someone who meditates and like they're just like centered and knowing they are all that they need, like their eternal soul. Like that's the consciousness of the person who does that. That's kind of the consciousness of the cell when it has enough energy. You know, it's, right. it's just, and then as an organism, when your cells have enough energy, you feel that you're like, I'm content. Like, right. You know, you don't have to always be needy and grabby and taking away your sister's toy. Like 
You have you have what you need. Yeah, but at the cellular level, when things are not going well, that translates over to how that person acts. Exactly. Because, you know, your behavior is dictated by how you feel. You know, if you're having a horrible day and somebody cuts you off in traffic and you throw your cell phone at them out the car window, that's not something you would have done if you would have been in a great mood and everything was going great. Do I have a camera on me? or? Uh. Yeah. So um, if at the cellular level everything is wrong, then things will be magnified in that kid's life severely. Froms. Take away the sugar foods, the electronic games, and most of all, stop being their friends. You are supposed to be the parents in that situation, not their friend. Grow a pair and act like a parent. Go on. Um, I don't know. Dan yeah. from Sydney, Australia. Medication calms them down. Yeah, Dan, that oh, might Dan. not be the best. That might not be always be the best idea. Not that I'm not saying that no kid ever needs medication, but um, it, it's... The kid doesn't have a Ritalin deficiency. You know, that's, that's not the, the part of the problem. It, you need to look at what's causing the problems instead of just covering up the symptom. And I think that more and more parents are learning that now, but I think there's still a lot of a huge lack of information on how to approach it. Jesse from Orlando, Florida. It all starts with the parents. If the parents are screwed up, usually the kids are too. And... I bet that that's part of it some of the time, you know? Uh, Maybe they've got their their parents' imbalances or, you know, from the mother passed down. Right, right. If she was lacking resources, then the kid would probably be lacking resources too. And the kid learns, oh, this is how I respond when when this happens. Um, So I think that that's a valid point, but there's still tons. You know, my friend that was talking about his daughter that flips out, is one of the most even-keeled and successful guys that I know. So it's it's not – I don't think in general the problem is the parents, but I think the problem could be the parents in some cases. All right. Nathan, it's not the sugar that's the problem. Be stern as a parent and point out it would be chemi- – and point out it would be chemicals in the food that is the problem. Sugar isn't. So chemicals in the food can be a problem, Nathan. Also, so can sugar, as described for the last 40 minutes. Cindy, good uh, morals, consistency, patience. That might help. That might help. help. Mike, it's not all about sugar and red food coloring. Kids way back when probably had even more. Kids way back when probably had even more. And it was so damn cheap. Okay. Yeah, and again, that was that was a different sugar. So we have to different look at time. what's what's going on now, um, and with our food supply, and and it's not just that all of these chemicals have made our way into um, the food, and all these sugars that affect more strongly than normal sugar would. It's also a situation of farming that has gone awry. Um, So even the real food that we're eating has fewer nutrients in it. So when the body is not getting nutrients that it needs, either because of digestive issues or because the food that they're eating is not nutrient-dense, when it's not getting nutrients, then it's going to scream for more of these sugars because it needs something to operate on. So a lot of the, the things that they do with these kids like you know that have autism or the other severe issues is they not only give them more fats and remove all the sugars 
but they also give them things like bone broth that is you know and other very nutrient dense foods to try and get as much nutrition into the kid so that they can function better. So if these steps are working well for the severe cases, then don't you think they could help someone who just flips out every once in a while? Mm-hmm. And so let's kind of review what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to have to finish this up uh, on part two of this episode because we have a lot of questions to cover. And some of the topics that were some of the people had questions about and that they uh, shared were amazing. So you're going to want to hear these next time. They're like really unbelievable. Um, but for now, let's look at the, the the few steps that a parent would first want to investigate. Yeah, so you'd want to see like one quick little self-test you can do on your kid is to see if their um, what their urine pH is, which can give indication if their insulin is way too strong. So if your kid's pH is right around 6, that's good. But if they're ripping through sugars, then their urine pH will probably be higher, somewhere around 7. And you can do some gentle things like vitamin C as ascorbic acid and things like that that can help lower the urine pH and balance the blood sugar. But you can also... Not that we're telling you what to do with kids in any way. Not yeah, that we would ever not, do that because that not, would not we're fit not going to like, do that. the legal parameters. Well, we can do... But you also might want to look at like what more natural foods that are lower in carbohydrates, higher in saturated fats, modern proteins, can I base my kids' diet on to help them get more into fat metabolism, which will help stabilize their mental performance and emotional stability. Right, and, and does removing some of these sugars and putting more real foods in there, does it naturally bring their urine pH down on its own? Yeah. It's worth looking at. And what else? Um, there, You also might be thinking, well, but my kid's like diagnosed with this crazy, like super intensity. He's not just ADHD. He's like schizophrenic or, right, or bipolar, right? right? Um, and in that case, you might really like reading Nutrition in Your Mind, which is a book we haven't mentioned yet by Dr. George Watson, where he was dealing with clinically diagnosed schizophrenic, psychotic individuals and fixing them by looking at their metabolism and getting it so that their body's blood sugar levels and metabolism was balanced and it pulled them out of crazy schizophrenic episodes. Right. And that book is out of print, but you can usually find used ones. And 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 I think they, you hit an important point is that people look, well, my kid was diagnosed with this, so there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. Understand that there are people all over the world that are doing something about it, and they're getting great results too. So don't feel like you don't have the ability to create improvements. You you absolutely can. Yeah, if anything, this podcast should give people hope for sure. Like, you know, you haven't exhausted everything, and, you know, you've got, you can still fix your kid. He's not labeled like this for the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and also, if you do try taking on like this different diet, don't get, don't give up. If it doesn't work right away, because like it takes even an adult who's yes. like very clear on the cellular biology of what's happening, it takes like sometimes six to eight weeks for their body to switch their metabolism into being able to really use these foods. So right, so don't look for a four-hour drug-like response. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah. You have to change what's going on at the physiological level and help the body have fuel consistently instead of the spikes and crashes. 
All right. Today's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at kickitinthenuts.com forward slash audiobook. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. If you want to learn more about how to look at your own chemistry, you can read any of Tony's books or take the free four-week digestion course at kickitinthenuts.com. Or you can head over to Will Schmidt's page, mybodyofknowledge.net, and he's got a lot of useful information on that page as well. All right, so we'll see you next week for part two and we'll finish talking about this and give more suggestions. Later. Try not to beat your kids. <laughs>